Oh my God, I have chills. What happened? Oh my God. Oh, I just can't. What? What up, everyone? Hey, this is hey. episode 54 of People Are the Worst. We are identical twins who love a plot twist, hate people responsible or something. <laughs> Read the bio, you get it. Um, oh my God, I guess I'm just carrying this whole episode on my own because Rebecca hasn't said a word. Now she's silently laughing. <laughs> I just wanted to see how far you'd go. <laughs> if I just sat here like, like not a care in the world. <laughs> carry on. No intentions to talk. Hey, hey everyone. Please do that, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. I'll carry the episode. I know you will, because it's your story today. Yeah, it is. First, we have Patreon shoutouts. Leslie, Kristen, Monique, thanks for joining. Y'all Thank rock. Y'all so much. Um, there's a episode, bonus episode 10 was launched today on Patreon. For you eight-tiered people, mm-hmm. um, we're going to do another bonus episode sometime this week. Um, hopefully by the time this is... I guess, dropping, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on that stat. It's crazy. Crazy story. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, it is? Who are you doing? Do you know? I'm not, I don't want to say. Oh, okay. Well, you know? We I don't need people like Googling. We're just going to try to do it. Whenever we have, like, a little extra time to knock out, even if it's a quick episode, we're going to do that for you patrons. For you, yeah. The eight-tier yeah. Peeps, for sure. You get a little extra bonus. Yeah. Everyone deserves it. But the eight yeah. people, eight dollar people really deserve it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> JK, JK, JK. You all deserve it. For all. And um patrons already know this from that bonus episode that just released, but we as y'all know have been in talks of like, should we do a Natalie Holloway episode? We knew her, so it could come from like a personal perspective, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, we if talk- you're new here, that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah, and we've heard from a lot of y'all that y'all want us to. So we did talk to her brother, and he gave us the green light. Oh, he's the best. He's so he nice. So sweet. He said we would be respectful, and he knows us, and we love him, and there that's you go. That. And there you go. So that's all the approval we need. And we'll start on that. We'll get started on that because we don't want to put a launch date yet. We don't know when we're going to do it because we have to, like, you know, really <laughs> do it well. Yeah. Do it Pressure's some... on. Pressure's on. Um, That's really all I had at the top, you know? No problem. No pressure. We don't have to small talk. I bet people like it when it's shorter. Okay, fine. Screw you all then. I knew <laughs> you were going to say that. All right. Today, I, Rachel... I'm telling Rebecca, my co-host and identical twin sister, about Judy Smith. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I feel good about it, but it, it sounds familiar. I hope it doesn't because it's insane. Okay. okay. The sources, thecrimewire.com, the Boston Globe, strangeco.blogspot.com, just buy your domain. Come on. You got this. <laughs> NBCnews.com, people.com. It's like 12 bucks a year. People.com? No. <laughs> Strangeco.blogspot.com. Oh, your domain. Yeah. Yeah, by, by the domain. Okay. Judy Lois Eldridge was born on December 15th, 1946 in Hyannis, Massachusetts. 
She got married right after high school, but her husband fled to Sweden to avoid getting drafted to Vietnam. So that marriage ended pretty much immediately. Mm. She got married again and had two kids, Craig and Amy. Then that marriage also ended. So she was stuck with no job, taking care of two kids and ended up on welfare. But she worked her ass off, put herself through nursing school, became a nurse, climbed the ladder, got off welfare and like was pretty successful. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. By 1986, both of her kids were grown up and 40 year old Judy was working as an at home nurse for a man in Boston recovering from throat surgery. Wait, it's 40. Her kids are grown up. She's 40 years old and her kids are grown up. Yeah. Oh, my God. 40 is around the corner. I <laughs> know. Um, yeah. Listen, you, you had kids young. Back yeah. Then. Yeah. That patient's son, the guy recovering from throat surgery, his son's name was Jeffrey Smith. He was a successful 40-year-old lawyer and also divorced with grown children. Everybody be 40 with grown-up kids. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Oh, my God. He was struck by how kind Judy was and how well she cared for his dad, and soon the two began dating. A successful lawyer. Wow, she really did come out on the other side. Yeah, killing it. Killing it. Since both of them had been married before, they took things very slowly. They dated for seven years before they even moved in together. Damn. I know. Then in September 1996, three years after they moved in together, they got married. So they'd been together for 10 years before they got married. They were like, no more divorces. We better be damn sure. Hmm. They lived in Newton, Massachusetts, which is Boston area. In April 1997, Jeffrey was asked to attend a work conference in Philadelphia. So he and Judy were like, sweet, we'll make a trip out of it. We'll go to the conference in Philadelphia, then go stay with friends in New Jersey for the rest of the week. It'll be a whole vacay. Yeah. That's the fun of getting married older when your kids are grown. You just get to do shit like that. Like, yeah, let's make a vacation out of a Philadelphia trip. Yeah. Um, I do I know. love and. And the, the benefits of having kids that young because you have your life back at 40. Yeah, no. Like you're, you're still young. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I your 20s. not get that luxury. Your 20s went to shit, but your 40s can thrive. Yeah. And you have your own money. You're like successful. You can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, totally. That rocks. So get, I, get pregnant early, y'all. <laughs> or don't. I don't know. I'm kidding. I don't know. I have no advice. I know. The 20, my 20s were fun, so I don't know. Yeah, you know. On April 9th, Judy and Jeffrey get to Logan International Airport in Boston for their 1.30 p.m. flight to Philadelphia. But when they got there, Judy realized she left her license at home, so she couldn't board the plane. Bummer. I know. So Je- she told Jeffrey, go ahead, get on the plane. I'll go get the license, and I'll get, get on the next flight. The conference was starting that day, so Jeffrey like, had to go. So he was like, fine, sounds great. Okay. Judy, you look perplexed. I'm getting nervous because I'm like, that's what a freak accident if she gets murdered going back to get her license or something. Oh, yeah. Judy got her license and ended up getting on the 7.30 p.m. flight. So (laughs) don't you worry about that. Okay. When she got there, she brought Jeffrey flowers as an apology for being late, which was so nice. But he was cute like not mad at the situation at all. He was like, it's fine. It happens. The next morning, April 10th, Jeffrey had to go to a conference or had to go to the conference. And so Judy was planning to do some sightseeing. She was going to go see the Liberty Bell, uh, Independence Hall, and then she was going to do the Philly Flash bus tour. And then the Rocky Steps. 
uh, oh yeah. And then she's sprinting I up and down. I am the tiger, it's the king of it. <laughs> Just singing it to herself. Yeah, yeah. as you do. <laughs> Duh. Oh my God. I wonder how many people do that. Oh you just God. walk by them and there's just people hauling ass up those steps. Yeah, no one even has their uh, earphones on because it's just jamming on a loudspeaker. Yeah. the tiger. All the time. Oh God, that would be the worst. That would make me so uncomfortable if I were working out. <laughs> Is it out of the tiger? Yeah. Uh, I've never seen Rocky. Sorry, come at me. I don't, I don't I care. Either. Uh, I don't I'm care. Not, I don't think I have either. I just know the scene and I know it's in Philly. When the train went, when we took the train from D.C. to New York, did we pass? I know we went through Philly. Is mm-hmm. the Liberty Bell right there? Like, in my head, I'm like, I've seen the Liberty Bell, right? No? No, I don't think so. All right. Guess I've what? only seen it when I, like, on a work trip when I was in the city. I don't know if you can see it from the train. I don't remember. All right. Y'all well, let us know. Someone Actually, let me know. I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> Do or don't. I don't know. <laughs> No, let us know, actually. Okay. So that was her plan. Liberty Bell, Independence Hall, Philly Flash bus tour. That's a bus that tours the entire city. You get it. Mm-hmm. She and Jeffrey were going to meet up back at the hotel at 5.30 p.m. so they could go to a cocktail party that night at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. When Jeffrey got back to the room at 5.30, Judy wasn't there, so he figured she may have already gone down to the party. So he went downstairs and couldn't find her. Most of her stuff was still in the room except for her wallet, wedding rings, and her signature red backpack that she always carried instead of a purse. So seemingly everything she would have taken to go sightseeing. Yeah. He walked from the party back to the room several times, hoping the two would cross paths. Like maybe it was miscommunication. She misunderstood the time, but they, he never found her. So he leaves the party and paid a cab to retrace the route of the Philly Flash bus tour, hoping to see her along the way. Like maybe she got off and then got lost. Mm-hmm. No what, such what luck. What time was this? They were supposed to already be meeting at the hotel to get ready for this party? Yeah. So oh, okay. they were meeting at the hotel at 5.30. The cocktail party started at 6. Oh, okay. Um, so he paid this cab driver to drive around. He could not find her. So around midnight, he called the police to file a missing persons report. But they were like, mm, we can't do that. It hasn't right. been 24 hours. So no. Call Ugh. back later. What year is this again? 1997. Oh, yeah. However... The mayor of Philadelphia, Ed Rendell, and Pennsylvania House of Representative John Perzel Perzel, Mm -hmm. were both attending the conference that Jeffrey was speaking at. So Jeffrey went to them, and they got Philadelphia police to start investigating ASAP. Oh, good. He he pulled some connections. Well, you're in an unknown city, and it's for a specific reason. Yeah. You skipped the event, and it's midnight. Come on. Yeah. Investigators immediately suspected Jeffrey and questioned if Judy even made it to Philadelphia. But that's a very easy check. So Mm -hmm. they did and then confirmed she was on the plane. Yeah. She was on the passenger list. Plus, there were a lot of witnesses who did see her in Philadelphia. A hotel employee told police that she asked them where to get on the flash tour bus. No, she's here. Mm -hmm. Then a city bus driver told them that he's pretty sure he picked her up and dropped her off at the bus stop near the hotel at 3 p.m. that day. People then started coming forward with claims that they saw Judy in the days after she went missing, and the sightings started to get bizarre. One said they saw her leaving a Greyhound bus station, which her family actually was like, she must have been using the bathroom. (laughs) She wasn't going to take Greyhound anywhere. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
another said that there was a woman who matched Judy's description who checked in at another hotel in the city, and she seemed disoriented and delusional. She spoke in tongues, and when asked if she wanted to extend her stay at the hotel, she said that an emperor was wiring her money. Ooh, that's interesting. And this girl had a red backpack on? I feel like yeah. that's a, a very identifiable feature. Uh, that one actually didn't clarify if she had a red backpack. Mm. A homeless man came forward and said that he's certain Judy slept on the bench next to him one night. Wow. So everyone's baffled. And by the time the cops got any of these tips, they would get to the scene and the person would be gone. So they could never really see this woman for themselves. But they did find out that there was a homeless woman in the area that looked a lot like Judy. I was about to say, I bet the cops for a homeless man's recount or sighting were like, shh. <laughs> they were like dismissed them. But yeah, Exactly. She, um, no, they actually thought all these were credible until Craig and Amy, her kids came to the city themselves to start scouring and looking for, they saw this homeless woman from across the street and thought it was her. They like went over to her. So they're like, no, she looks exactly like our mom. So they think, um, those like the delusional woman, all that must've been this homeless woman. But then the sightings didn't stop and they start getting really specific a cashier at a store at the Deptford Mall in New Jersey, which is 22 miles from Philadelphia, said that a woman who she thought was Judy came in to shop for clothes for her daughter and joked with the cashier that the daughter never liked the clothes she bought. And her, her daughter, Amy, confirmed that that was true. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I love it. She was like, oh, that's true. Her taste that, sucked. So this checks out. Yes, I'll say that checks out. Most concerning is that the cashier said the woman was definitely wearing a red backpack and told her she was there because her husband was at a conference in Philadelphia. Oh, there you go. New Jersey, though. Yeah. 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 Then when she was about to leave the store, she became, the woman became very confused and tried to get a little girl to leave with her, claiming the little girl was her daughter. And there's, no, there's not detail. This was sorted out right there. Like, they were like, that's a misunderstanding, I guess. But she said she became very disoriented. She did not take the girl. That is so weird. After this, there is nothing. They have no idea where she is, and this and the case starts to go cold. Oh, my God. They consider that she may have had a midlife crisis and left on her own, but Jeffrey and others said that would be insanely out of character. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey hired a team of private investigators and sent missing persons flyers to 7,500 hospitals and 800 medical examiners across the country. Oh, my God. Sent them everywhere. Yeah. Everyone around him said it took a noticeable toll on him. He even started cutting back on the defense cases he he took on, saying, now that I feel like I'm a victim, I couldn't in good conscience continue to represent criminal defendants. Oh, that's like um, Hannah Cornelius episode. Her dad, the judge, was like, I can't listen to kidnapping cases. Right. Whatever. That's true. Mm -hmm. Or murder cases. Yeah. Judy's daughter, Amy, said as far as she knew, Jeffrey and Judy had a great marriage. And Amy spoke very highly of Jeffrey, saying he was an honest man who wouldn't even cheat on his taxes. Oh, I know. Judy's friend, Carolyn, disagreed, though. She she didn't think Judy was very happy and said something must have happened that triggered her to want to leave and have some time away from Jeffrey. But she didn't think Jeffrey did anything. She just thought Judy left on her own. But, like, why would she go on the trip at all? She'd be like, all right, you go to your conference. Yeah. I'm going to hang back and chill. It would be the, that if you were going to leave, that's how you would do it. Right. You let him go. 
Right. He's going to be out of town for days. There's your out. Yeah. But others say even that's very unlike Judy. She's very outspoken. And if she wanted out of her marriage, she just would have said so. She would Mm -hmm. not have run away. Plus, they said she genuinely cared about Jeffrey. She just liked her freedom. So if she was unhappy, it was because she wanted more independence. It wasn't she would not have put Jeffrey like all the stress on Jeffrey. Right. she, She didn't hate him. She just may not have been that happy in her marriage yeah. and again she wouldn't have left her kids and not told them where they're like she, she just wouldn't have put this worry on everyone right i'll go ahead and say chill the husband did not do it i don't think he did did not think he did in addition to all that everyone's like she, why would she not tell a soul like she would tell someone like she's not mad at everyone like you know right she would tell someone. And again, running away in an unknown city. It's just, why would you do it? Yeah. Fast forward to September 1997, five months after Judy went missing, a father and son are hunting and see a rib cage coming up out of the ground. Oh, shit. Upon further review, it was a skeleton wrapped up in a blue, blue blanket, partially buried in a shallow grave. Oh, God. Some of the bones were scattered, but they... They determined that this was likely by animals, not by the person who put the body there. Mm. A few things found on or around the body was $167 in cash, a blue and black backpack, clothes, a wedding ring, and a pair of sunglasses. Cuts on the clothes and bones indicated that this person had been stabbed to death. Oh. Oh, gross. That just sounds, cuts on the bones, just knife scraping bone, grosses me out. I know. The medical examiner determined it was a Caucasian woman between the ages of 40 and 55 who had a severely arthritic knee and had been dead for several months. Here's the crazy part. The father and son were hunting in the Pisgah National Forest outside of Asheville, North Carolina. A doctor in Franklin, North Carolina, read the article about the discovery and was immediately reminded of Judy's case because he got a flyer from Jeffrey months earlier. Mm. And he called the authorities to tell them about Judy and advised that they look into it. Dental records later determined that it was Judy. And the wedding ring found with the remains were, was confirmed to be hers. Y'all, Philly to Asheville is, God. Over 600 miles away. How wow. did she get there? Her friend said she never mentioned North Carolina. She had no reason to go to North Carolina. She apparently had been to North Carolina twice in her life, never to Western North Carolina, and had no ties to the area. Mm, She was taken there, obviously. There's no record of her taking a plane, a bus, or renting a car. She was taken there, obviously. Well, Well, we'll discuss. I'm sure we will. When they found her body, she was wearing hiking clothes, which... She was not wearing when she was last seen, and her family didn't even know. I don't think they knew that these clothes existed. They're, we don't we don't recognize those hiking <sighs> boots, all of it. Her signature red backpack was nowhere to be found. The family didn't re- recognize the blue and black backpack that was found with her, or the sunglasses found with the body. But sun, I mean, that's kind of an easy purchase: sunglasses and a new backpack. Oh, Jeffrey hadn't ofi- hadn't been officially cleared by Philadelphia police. But after this discovery, they determined that it was highly unlikely he had anything to do with it because she was found on a mountain and Jeffrey was morbidly obese. Mm. So it would have been very difficult for him to even get there, kill her and dispose of the body all without being seen. Yeah. Like, and they said, quote, 
it would have been logistically difficult, if not impossible. Right. They're like, there's no way. Investigators are like, okay, how the F did Judy get here and why? After this insane story hit the news, store owners and employees from Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina, started coming forward with sightings of Judy, much like the mall in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Unlike the mall in New Jersey, the Ashevillians said she was totally with it, not disoriented at all. She was not acting strange at all. That's not saying but much. Listen, listen, y'all, I live in Asheville, North Carolina, <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and point this out. The normalcy bar here is very low we're at a very low level she could have come in wearing a t-rex costume with a boombox blaring christmas music and talking like a baby and they'd be like nothing really stood out <laughs> it really no, being dead serious <laughs> being serious not a laughing matter once i was sitting at a bar in Asheville, a wine bar and we were just looking out the window enjoying our saturday and a topless astronaut walked by so Top, a woman dressed as an astronaut, astronaut helmet, astronaut no, helmet, no shirt, just boobs, no shirt. So, you know, that was at Five Walnut. We can give a shout out to the, a local favorite. Absolutely. Five Walnut Wine Bar is my favorite in Asheville. It is a regular for us. Uh -huh. We will go at a drop of a hat. Tell them we sent you. Tell them we sent you. This episode is brought to you by Five Walnut Wine Bar. Rosé all day. Um, yeah. So I'm like, well, that's not saying much coming not. from an Asheville local. <laughs> Listen, I love Asheville. Keep Asheville weird or whatever. Okay. <laughs> One employee said, quote, she seemed very alert to me. She was pleasant. I didn't see anything about her that would indicate that she wasn't right in any way. She told me her husband was an attorney and they were from Boston and that they had been in Pennsylvania and he was at a convention and she decided to come down here. A local deli owner said that she is certain Judy came in there. She was driving a gray sedan and bought $30 worth of sandwiches and a toy truck. Hmm. The owner of a campground said they also saw her driving a gray sedan and it had a lot of boxes and bags in it. Like, I don't know if it was like gift boxes or like, I don't, I didn't, I don't know what that is. Hmm. Judy asked the campground owner if she could park there and sleep in her car overnight. And he said no. So she drove off. An employee She's at the, by herself at all these sightings. Yeah. An employee at the Biltmore estate also said they interacted with her. I don't have any more details on that one, but like same normal, I think. But she bought a ticket to Biltmore. So this is where I get confused. And maybe we can talk about it later or just now. Jeffrey estimates she had $200 worth of cash on her when she went sightseeing. The body was found with $167. Mm -hmm. I don't think her credit cards were used. So I'm like, how did she get any of this? Even in 1997, you probably could not get into the Biltmore Estate with $33. So I, I just don't know how she would have gotten around with that much cash on her. Or she, I don't know, she somehow got the cash. Mm. Again, I'm sticking firm at she was taken there against her will, maybe escape, escaped. But this is solved, right? Uh -oh. Someone even came forward and said that she may have asked about a job opening at a doctor's office, which I'm like, the rest seem really credible, but you person coming forward may be thinking of someone else, may, maybe a mistake. Yeah. But maybe not. Investigators believe she went to North Carolina voluntarily and while here crossed paths with the wrong person and was murdered. 
based on what she was wearing, they think she was actually on a hike and was attacked and left there. The body wasn't dumped there later. Hmm. It's widely speculated that Gary Michael Hilton, a.k.a. the National Forest serial killer, is responsible for the murder. Oh, I don't know about him. Story within a story. I don't know about him. But I would like to, I guess, retract, well, depending on how credible these sightings are, I guess she wouldn't be taken there against her will because she an escape. She would have said, help me, not, yeah, man, please have a ticket to the Biltmore. Right. Yeah, I don't know the serial killer. Okay, well, story within a story coming at you. Love it. Gary Hilton was born in Atlanta and was convicted of four murders between 2007 and 2008, all of which happened in National Forests. The first two murders was of a couple named John and Irene. They were in their 80s and hiking in the Pisgah National Forest, about 13 miles from where Judy was found. Irene's body was found almost a month later. She'd been bludgeoned to death, but John was still a missing person until four months later. Someone found a skull while they were hiking in the Nantahala National Forest, and it was determined to be John's. And that's like... I mean, I don't know exactly where in the Nantahala they were, but, like, it could be up of, like, almost two hours away from where they were hiking originally. Uh, Very weird. The third murder was of Cheryl Dunlap, a nurse at Florida State University. She didn't show up for work one day, and her coworkers called the cops. The next day, her car was found abandoned on the side of the highway with a flat tire. Five days later, hunters in the Apalachicola National Forest found a decapitated, decomposing body. Damn. In both of these cases, there was surveillance of Gary using the victim's debit cards at ATMs. Uh, okay. So he made them give him his PIN numbers. He knew the PIN numbers for both of them. Um, and then I guess killed him. So they could see him. They had surveillance of it, of him using uh, their debit cards at the ATM. So they were on the hunt for someone. They knew like Caucasian male, but they didn't know who he was. The fourth murder was of Meredith Emerson, a 24-year-old University of Georgia graduate she went on a New Year's Day hike in 2008 on Blood Mountain in Vogel State Park, which is Barrett's Mountain House. Yeah, I was about to say, if if there's a victim on Blood Mountain, there's a dateline on this one, on this guy. There is? Yeah, it's Murder on Blood Mountain is the title. I remember it. This is the one that got him caught. Meredith had her dog Ella with her, and when she didn't return home from her hike, she was reported missing Several witnesses from the trail came forward saying they saw her with her dog and noticed an older man with a dog following her. Mm-hmm. That man was determined to be Gary Hilton, a local drifter who was known for his very strange behavior and bad temper. He walked his dog on that trail a lot. So I think this area was like home to him because people knew who he was. Mm-hmm. They announced that that's the person of interest and they want to talk to him. So everyone, Bolo, be on the lookout. Sure. Right. On January 3rd, two days after she went missing, her dog Ella was found in a Kroger parking lot and was returned to family. Mm. Poor Ella. Ella. On January 4th, someone called the DeKalb County police in Georgia and said, hey, that dude y'all are looking for is here at a Chevron cleaning out his van. Uh-huh. A haul ass to get there just as he was about to pour bleach inside the van. Yeah, they haul ass there because the state line, y'all, we watched us at Barrett's, um, I didn't know Mountain there. House, I didn't know there's a date see Vogel, Vogel State Park. He, he's like, oh, I know exactly where she parked. I know it's the only one parking lot of everything. First, his coworker in Atlanta is who called the cops and was like, oh, I can put a name to this face. My coworker is very weird. He has a such and such dog. It was like a bright red golden retriever or something. 
and he's obsessed with it. And that's who he always goes to Vogel State Park to hike Blood Mountain. It's got to it's going to be him. And this kid at Chevron, he didn't just say he's I can see him pumping gas and about to clean out his car. He said, I have my pistol. I can take him out right now. And the dispatcher's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> don't approach him. Don't do anything. Certainly don't shoot him. The cops are on the way. That's probably why the cops have to be like, God, this damn redneck's going to take him out. I like the offer. I what if she was offer. like, me and Barrett were laughing so hard. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> what if she yeah. Like, yeah. And the leg okay. might be good for us. Yeah. yeah. I don't kill him, but sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, I could take him out right now. That is so funny. I did not know there was a dateline on that. Yeah. I think it's murder and blood mountain. Yeah. Or something well, like that. The cops get to Chevron and DeKalb County and get him before he pours up bleach and blood found in his van was determined to be Meredith's. Mm. On January 5th, investigators found numerous items belonging to Meredith inside a dumpster in Cumming, Georgia, including her bloody clothes, wallet, driver's license, University of Georgia ID card, and a bloodstained seatbelt. Gary was arrested and pled guilty to Meredith's murder, but they still didn't have a body, so in exchange for dropping the death penalty, he said he'd tell them where she was. They said, great. Mm Mm-hmm. He led them to Dawson Forest Management Area, which is over 40 miles from Blood Mountain, where they found Meredith's decapitated body. He had beat her to death with a tire iron and then cut her head off post-mortem. Oh, God. Because of the deal he struck, he was sentenced to life in prison, not death. But joke's on him because then he was turned over to Florida to answer for Cheryl Dunlap's murder. Oh, Florida, they'll kill you real quick. They found him guilty and he was sentenced to death. They're all... That's so nice that Georgia made a deal with you. We already had a body. We don't need it. Yeah, Yeah. we don't need your deal. So we're just going to kill you. Yeah. He also struck a plea deal with North Carolina for John and Irene's murder, but he's still on death row even today. He's 76 years old. He's in Florida Mm -hmm. and will be put to death there or die naturally because he's old, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. He's suspected of several other murders between 1997 and 2008 of people found in national forests, including Judy's, but he's never been convicted and he's never confessed to him. Mm. His story, again, could really be its own episode because he's a lunatic. Mm -hmm. Sadly, Jeffrey died in 2005, never knowing the truth about what happened to Judy. Her case was reopened in 2016 and it remains open. (gasps) We still don't know how she got from Philly to Asheville. Nope. <gasps> isn't oh, that? Oh, my God. That's a horrible story. Isn't that insane? <sighs> and Gary won't admit to it? No. So, so he didn't do it, probably. I kind of think he did. Maybe. Why I, would she go to Ash? Why was she in? I don't know. I'm wondering if she the did. hiking clothes and all that. I'm wondering if she did leave voluntarily. It does seem weird for... Someone seemingly happy with their life, especially who, like, was close to her kids and friends. Like, to tell no one is so weird. hmm And was it impulsive? Like, why did you go to Philly? That couldn't yeah. have been planned. But, and again, Ge- Jeffrey was pretty certain she had $200 cash on her, and she was found with $167. Like, what did you do with $33? Only $33 spent. Yeah. How did you... I mean, she had been dead for months, but like, how did you get 600 miles away with $33? How did you get, because her credit cards weren't used. Amtrak. Again. again. But no, you can't. I mean, they would have, no, they wouldn't have record. I don't know. Maybe. The deli, if the deli owner's right, she spent $30 on sandwiches. I'm like, how? 
again, Biltmore State, expensive now, probably was then, don't know. Um, it's crazy. Like, how did this happen? Well, all those sightings may have been bullshit. The only one that's confirmed is her dead body. Mm -hmm. So taking all the sightings out of that, but still. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Did she have a mental break and like just ditch it? But like, how did she get there? She didn't rent a car. She did not get on a plane. That's what, no. Unless she totally had a new identity. Like, yeah, I don't know. Isn't that great? She had no mental health. And the hiking clothes. Like she had to get new clothes. Yeah. How? Hmm. He also could be mistaken. Maybe she had $600 with her. I mean, who knows, really? But Red backpack never found? Nope. No. So someone took that. If it was just her. No, she, they're saying she left voluntarily, but she came across a murder. Yeah. The murder took that and disposed of it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Hmm, that is so weird. Didn't take her um, wedding ring, though? It's a real thinker. It's crazy. But if Gary did it, he like, you're already going to be put to death. What's one more? Just admit oh, it. I know. Why wouldn't he? But Why who knows? He? Who knows? Uh, people have their reasons, I guess. But that is very unsatisfying, and I hate you. Oh, I know. Right? You are the best. Rach is the worst. Just God, well, thank you for an unresolved case. I'll be thinking about that all day. Just a little sidebar, too. The sheriff at the time who um, was investigating this case when the body was found, the Buncombe County Sheriff, was Bobby Medford. He died of COVID in June 2020 while he was serving a 15-year sentence. Oh, what would he do? Corruption and extortion charges for taking bribes from illegal video poker operators in return for allowing them to run their business. What is that? He like these illegal video poker businesses were operating and he was and they were no, bribing but what him. What is that? An illegal video poker. Oh, who knows? Gambling. <laughs> oh, know. poker. Poker. I was thinking like poke. Oh my God. Y'all. Y'all. I'm in a constant state of fog. I shouldn't be able to drive. Oh my gosh. This pregnancy thing is really taking a toll on Rebecca. <laughs> yes. I'm dumber than dirt. Well, again, thanks, y'all. Um, if you're new here, please review. Yeah. Put a, put a little something in that comment box because it really drives us, drives us up the chart with Apple. Thank you so much. Y'all are the best. Continue to tell people. Yeah. People are the worst. People are the worst. Bye. Bye. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts. Yes.